I encounter a lot of companies that say that we're customer first, right? We're customer centric. We're all about the customer, but they don't step back and take a look at the interaction that that customer has, especially like first contact or any along the journey, what's going on for that person from their perspective. You might have the best C-suite in the world. You might have the whatever resumes of the founders and your customers don't care. They care about their experience with your frontline employees. Welcome to the More Clients, Less Effort podcast, where we provide expert insights and strategies to turbocharge your business growth. I'm your host, Tim Hyde, and in this series, we'll unpack the secrets, proven systems, and the sales and marketing strategies used by successful business owners to attract, convert, and keep A-class clients on autopilot. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur looking to scale your customer acquisition or a budding startup owner looking to crack the code on attracting the right clients, you've come to the right place. Join us on this journey to building a thriving business that leaves a lasting impact. Now let's get started. And we are back joined for by the amazing Sturdy McKee for another episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Sturdy, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. Now, guys, if you don't know Sturdy, Sturdy has spent over 20 years as a physical therapist and private practice owner growing his San Francisco sport and spine physical therapy up to six locations over and over 45 years, which is an incredible achievement in, in its own right, uh, and moved into coaching businesses owners full-time since 2016, leveraging his experiences and learning others to grow their business as well. Sturdy's also co-author of The Best Small Business in the World and the author of Nobody's a Mind Reader, which we were just talking about just offline using ChatGPT to kind of help frame that book up. Loves helping entrepreneurs, owners and founders achieve their personal business goals, which is a very deep passion of mine as well, and lives in San, the beautiful, beautiful San Francisco, his lovely wife and three wonderful children and the dog who we just met a little bit earlier, Sturdy. <laughs> That's right. She's right down here. Thanks for joining me, mate. Mate, you've got um, I mean, massive wealth of experience, uh, and for a bloke who's only in his late twenties to uh, have twenty years in physical therapy, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fantastic. But you know, tell me, you know, tell me where the entrepreneurial or business bug came for you. You know, because to build a, a like a almost that's not it's a single practice, right? I mean, six locations, forty five employees is is almost a you know. An enterprise in itself. Tell me, tell me about that journey. How did you get to that point, and where did you start? Yeah, that can be a long story in some ways, but I basically realized fairly early on that I wasn't a great employee. I think I'd probably be a better one now than I was when I was young. But yeah, I just I wasn't ever satisfied. I wasn't ever happy. I kind of knew I was going to do something. I ended up going out and, and opening my own practice earlier than I thought I would. It was just a situation where the hospital, I was working in an outpatient hospital and they, UCSF and Stanford had merged back then. So if anybody looks up the dates, you will figure out how old I am. But they broke up, you know, there, there were two, in, which looking back was a great lesson in culture and fit and the two entirely different kind of business and, and philosophies, cultures around the two organizations, but the, so they demerged, they split up. And when they did, they shut down essentially all the outpatient uh, PT services at UCSF. And um, so I got laid off along with a whole bunch of other people. 
went out and started interviewing for jobs, really did not like what I was hearing or running into and started up with a massage table in the basement of a gym, got a cell phone and some cards made at the mall kiosk. And uh, so at least we had a cell phone, but they weren't touch screens back then. Right. But this is late nineties and uh, kind of went out and just started on my own. And it was a couple of years later where I was, so, you know, Tim, you know, this as a solo, you know, person, I was doing all right. I had, I was golfing on Tuesdays. I, you know, things were pretty decent, but I was walking out to the car and I remember my hand on the handle about to go home thinking, do I want to be doing this in 20 years? And, you know, it was a kind of a shock to the system. It was, you know, the answer was no, it was a pretty emphatic no. So, you know, what do I, what do I want to do? I didn't want to become stagnant and just kind of be doing the same thing day in, day out over 20 years. It was helping people, but I started thinking about how can I help more people? And that's the thing that's really kind of driven the journey the entire way was, uh, you know, I, I went out and got a business partner. We opened another location. We started hiring people in order to take care of more patients, to help more people. Right. And as I grew that, one of the things I learned about like the professional service thing was the, all the advantages of scale, you know, people we were here near Silicon Valley and all that kind of stuff, there aren't a lot of advantages to scale. You get bigger, you have bigger problems, bigger cash flow issues, more employees, more moving parts, and still relatively the same profit margin, you know, and it just didn't make sense to me at that point to take on a greater and greater, greater complexity, you know, exponentially greater complexity as you continue to grow for basically the same return, you know, and that's, that's the point at which I went, this is not this again, it's not what I want to be doing in 20 years. Some of this stop you know, uh, stop growing, settle in, you know, uh, eventually exit the practice, all those things. But that kind of drove the transition into doing what I'm doing today is how can I help others? I didn't want to, you know, be an aggregator and buy up practices, whatever. And I, I really wanted to empower and help other practice owners. That's kind of where it all started and other business owners. Cause here's the other little dirty secret you've talked. I know your clientele is across a bunch of different industries, but the dirty little secret when we're that I learned through EO and through some other groups is that about eighty to ninety percent of all the things we do in business are the same. Yeah, but you know? one of yeah. one of the uh, one of the messages I love to get to my clients is that you know it doesn't matter what your business is, right? That's what it's failed, right? But we are reframing almost to be you're 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 in the business of marketing, right? The thing that you sell. You're not a you know chiropractor. You're not a you know, physiotherapist or whatever, right? You're a marketing an author person. or a plumber or a, you know, whatever it happens to be, right? You, you know, that's the thing you sell. That's the thing you do for people. That's the, that's how you deliver value, but it's not what your business does. And I find it really interesting that uh, just to sort of pull something out from, from what you said, that I think is a real value bomb for, for people. You know, we get into this habit, I think, and it sounds like you had a pretty good lifestyle to start with, you know, golf, bit of work, bit of golf, bit of work, you know, mm-hmm. family time. But we kind of lose sight of the fact that the business is there to serve us, mm-hmm. not us to serve the business, right? And you're absolutely yeah. right. You know, if we if we lose sight of what is the purpose of this business, we can just grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. But, you know, growth is not the same thing as scale. Now, scale mm-hmm. creates more opportunity as you become bigger, not relatively the same. And that's interesting. You sort of got to that point where you go, is this thing actually going where I wanted to go or am I just along for the ride? Yeah, probably should have figured that out a little bit earlier, but you get, you know, it gets addictive, it gets exciting. You're having some 
quote unquote success, you know, things are growing and then it gets to a point where, um, at least it got to a point for me where I, I guess I had two, three big milestones early on was hiring people and trying to get it off the ground and working really long hours and realizing I didn't know the first thing about business, you know, and had to go outside the profession, really start to learn from others and put some things in place that really was a huge turning point for us at that point in time. Then as like another decade later, there was, um, I just wrote about this. There was a Monday morning I woke up and I didn't want to go to work. And the worst thing about that was it was my, it was my business. <laughs> that is sitting there at the edge of the bed going, oh my goodness, if, if I don't want to go in, what in the world are my staff thinking right now? Yeah. You know, what, what's the team thinking? And that just really, really scared me. That was another shock. And that's a point where I reached out to a business coach who happens to be my co-author on the best small business in the world. Right. But Matt Fitzsimmons and then Stephen Lynch, they were at results at the time and they were both our coaches and we really rebuilt the culture and made the business into something that we wanted to be involved in. You know, not everybody, right. There were a couple of people who left along the way, but which is also a normal transition that I didn't really realize, but we made it as something that I like the key players the you know, the folks that were really bought in and working hard, love to be there. And that was another big kind of milestone in our development that we could use these tools for whatever we wanted to use them for. You know, the tools are neutral. So do we want to do good things? Do we want to serve more people? Do we want to make a lot of money? And, you know, you can do all whatever you want with the different tools, but the fact that they're out there and they are learnable was another kind of moment for me. Like, oh, you know, we can, we can do what we want. We just have to figure out what it is we need to apply. And there are other people who've done it before. Yeah, I think that's a that big realization that you know, as you as you mentioned, you know, all businesses are largely the same, particularly those that they are customers. I mean, there's a, there's this journey that we take people on, and at some point we plug in the thing we actually do. Right, yeah. and I I know I've hit resistance, and if somebody's listening to this, going, no, mine's unique, mine's precious. There was a, I mean, you're still we're still all doing the marketing, we're still all doing sales, we're still all you know hiring taking care of people, managing, paying bills, collecting money, you know, all those moving parts are essentially the same, but I'll give credit to Rand Stegen. I had him out to speak with EO group, um, in San Francisco. And he put a picture of his daughter up on the screen and he, and she was like 16 or 17, but her picture was like when she was one year old, right? She's a year old. And he talked about his daughter and, and he said, but you know, she's unique and she's precious and you know, very special to us, but also eminently predictable, you know, when she was going to crawl, when she was going to speak, you know, there and as a, with a physio background, right. It was like, oh, all the developmental milestones stuff that you can kind of, you know, things are on track or aren't or whatever. But what he finished with was just like your business. And I kind of went, oh, right. And that's the other thing people kind of lose sight of is you're going to run into these roadblocks at like 10, 25, 50, a hundred, whatever employees. And it's really a matter of complexity and systems. I know you're a big advocate of systematizing things, but the systems that got you to 10 employees aren't going to get you to 50, right? You've got to revamp and reorganize and rethink what that is. Maybe use different tools or sometimes different people, whether that's, you know, your accountant or bookkeeper or attorney or whatever there, they work really well with this size organization. And then 
you might need somebody for at a different stage to do different things. I think that's an important thing to to know as your business. At what point do you let your customers go to the next step, or do you just kind of hold on to them forever? All right, and your business will absolutely transition as you build it, as you grow as well. And right? you you know the customers you had at the start are not necessarily the customers that you have at the end, and they're going to be different people. But I think it is you know as you say, it's very important to know. At what point do you let your customers go on to the next thing? There's a really cool line in Mad Men season one, and uh, it says, um, you know, the day you win a client is the day you start losing them. Oh, that's a terrible <laughs> thought. <laughs> it, is, it is a terrible <laughs> thought, but it's true, right? You know, it, it is true. And the day you win a client is the day you start losing them. Because in a physio practice, at some point that client gets better. You know, well, whatever, right, whatever, you whatever home, complaint yeah. you, whatever complaint brought them in in the first place, you solve their problem and they no longer have that problem. As a business coach, right? Right. Um, you know, as an automation specialist like me, you know, you have a problem. <laughs> we're going to solve that problem for you until such time as you no longer have that problem. And then we're going to release you into the wild again. You know, hopefully that. You know, new problems. And if we're doing a good job, yeah, absolutely. We can take you on a journey as well. If we can structure our business right, maybe we've got the next thing that we can help you with after that. But it may not necessarily be you. It may be someone else that you need to sort of hand them on to. And it's an important thing to remember. I'm curious for you. I mean, you mentioned a couple of key sort of you know growth milestones in your experience. What was the most important fire for you in your journey? Where if you you know practice of 45 people, six locations, what were some of the the most important hires that you had? Oh, I I think it depends on what stage and when, right? I mean, hiring the first therapist was probably the most. Well, I don't know. I mean, we hired a front desk person. Again, going back to when we didn't know how to hire people and didn't know how to manage people or do any of that stuff, right? So, um, and the the best and worst part about that was they knew that too. So, looking back at some really good people that oh, I wish we had done a better job for them, you know, on their behalf and on all the all the fronts. But yeah, I think it's the stage, you know, when you're just starting out and you're kind of chief cook and bottle washer, it's that first person that you hire, that you bring in. And, um, you know, they're critical to the next phase, which in our case was hiring another clinician because other people can treat and start to grow that out. And then, yeah, we made, we did some other stuff that was really, really good. Operations director, you know, we promoted people into clinical directorships. But yeah, I think a lot of it just had to do with the, with the timing, the phase of the company, and what was going to be most impactful at that point in time. The other thing, though, that I thought was really significant that maybe, well, I hope it's counterintuitive because it's a mistake we made. We hired a professional salesperson, and we did that a couple times. The first one wasn't working all that well. We hired another one, still weren't getting the results that we wanted. We wanted somebody, basically hired them because we assumed they knew how to do it and I've seen that mistake too with clients hiring somebody because you don't have a system and expecting them to be the system or to create the system. And what ended up happening was we were very good about tracking the results and we're a little bit frustrated with the results. But what I did was go back and look at the steps, the process, wrote it down. We ended up giving that back to the six front desk people, or actually there were more than six, but six locations. So, you know, we had eight or nine in front desk people answering the phones, right? Gave them the process and coached to the process and got a better result than when we had a salesperson. Because I think for a number of reasons, but back to your idea of like 
can we create some consistency? Can we figure out what actually works? Can we train people up to do it? And, you know, intake at the doctor's office, it got as simple as why do people call? Right. I mean, and I, I asked, I asked our team this, like, why do you call your dentist? And they kind of sat there for a minute, like, well, to, you know, get an appointment, like, okay. So if you get off the call without an appointment, was that a successful phone call? And they're like, well, no. Like, okay, then if offering the appointment is the most important thing in that phone call, how can we put that first? How can we do that as early in the process as possible? Because everybody, I don't don't know about you guys, but I think everybody's had the experience of trying to call a doctor or a specialist or somebody going through all this information, giving them a birth date and, you know, your address and your insurance, if that's the case or whatever else, and then finding out the first appointments in three weeks or six weeks or 12 weeks or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've had that. We, uh, we recently bought a, a new rug for our lounge room after, you know, the teenage kids mm-hmm. destroyed it and uh, <laughs> destroyed the old one. And, uh, you know, we, we thought, okay, we're going to get this one scotch guarded and protected and, and called around a bunch of different, um, you know, just got onto the yellow pages, I think online and, and call about a bunch of, um, different things. Can't believe I just said the yellow pages like that's still a thing. We do. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> we Google it. I did actually have one turn up on my driveway the other day and I went, what is this for? <laughs> Fantastic. I've got something to light my fire with now. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we, we Googled a bunch of different providers and called a bunch. And the first one we called was like, oh, no, we don't do that anymore. I'm like, well, why are you still advertising this service if you don't do it? And the second one was like, <laughs> yep, yep, as absolutely as you said, went through a long sort of process and then said, oh, the first available appointment's in eight weeks. I'm like, oh, thanks very much. You know, that was a way. And the, and the third one we called was like, yep, yeah, I can be there the next day. And we're like, oh, brilliant. You've got the, you've got the business. I mean, let me stop calling it. Right. No, so it is actually, I think you're really coming back to what is the fundamental purpose and how, you know, that we need for that particular function mm-hmm. and how can I systemize that in a way that it happens all the time? Right. What's my process? Okay. So you had your questionnaire and it's just a case of taking that questionnaire and saying, Hey, look, we've got the next available appointment here. Is it, does that work for you? Yes. Fantastic. Now we go and grab the rest of the details that we need to sort of book. That exactly. In simple some some of the really simple things that we can do from a client perspective to go well, what's the what's the outcome i need from this particular step i see with um with social media a lot you know we go what's the purpose of social media you know is social media there to get likes and engagements on stuff no it's literally there to get people there and so if your social media well all the resources you are spending on it time and money to do it if it is not doing that thing it is not getting you to the next goal right absolutely so, you know, yeah, we, this stuff you can measure. Well, I love that you immediately got it on the customer experience side of things because I don't think there, I've, I encounter a lot of companies that say that we're customer first, right? We're customer centric. We're, we're all about the customer, but they don't step back and take a look at the interaction that that customer has, especially like first contact or any along the journey, what, what's going on for that person from their perspective. Right. And uh, again, I was listening to some folks, uh, I think it was on the radio, but um, talking about the, you know, there's a lot of ego driven stuff in Silicon Valley, right? And there's a lot of VCs and Stanford and Harvard and all the pedigrees and all the other stuff, right? But what the guy said back to these folks was, you know, you might have the best C suite in the world. You might have the whatever resumes of the founders and your customers don't care. 
they care about their experience with your frontline employees. And now, I think we lose sight of the fact how, how, how critically important employees are and then giving them the opportunity to succeed. And I love that you pulled out you know, those two professional salespeople. I think there are a lot of founders out there who hate the idea of sales. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of sort of being confrontational and actually asking people for money is terrifying. I'd love to help, but I don't want to have to ask for money to that because it suddenly, I don't know, cheapens what it is that we do rather than just the exchange of value it is. But, you know, we look at those two employees, it may not have been necessarily that they were the wrong people, maybe they were, right? But did I give them the tools that they needed to do to succeed? And that same, does that same rule applies, I think, for every, any person in your business. You know, you get someone you think might be good, but if you don't give them the tools they need to succeed, then get the hell out of the way. Right. right? You know, you, right. You, as I said, you've just got more overhead and more, more pain points and more problems than you did otherwise. Right. I love bringing it back to sports, and I know you guys don't have a lot of baseball. <laughs> we do have some baseball in Australia. A little bit. But yeah, if you've ever been to a little league game or you can apply this to any, essentially any sport, right? But the coach's job is to empower the players to be the best they can be and then put them in the right position. And if you were at a little league game and you were watching the coach run around middle infield fielding balls and making plays, what would you as a parent or observer think of that coach, right? And then you start thinking about, well, what would those players think, right? Am I good enough? Am I, well, why is he here? Why am I, am I not doing my job? And then, you know, one of the questions I like to ask clients is, are you that coach? Because in some cases, yeah, they're running around middle infield when you have players that want to do the job. They know what the job is. Get out of the way. You're exactly right. What's a system, I want to pivot here a little bit. What's a system that you use now in your coaching business, maybe, you know, from lessons learned in in running a practice? Oh, I, I know, like, well, your focus is on marketing and I think the marketing client acquisition piece, it went all over the place for me for a while. It's, it's interesting in my head anyway, like going to a different context, how you can erroneously assume, I don't know, again, kind of that sales thing, right? I, I didn't want to sell. I didn't want it. Well, when approaching that whole process from really the same perspective we had as clinical, as a clinician, and hiring and training and teaching clinicians, can I help? Is is this something I can do? Is this the best, most efficient way for the client to get where they want to go? And if it is, tell them, show them the plan, and then here's my big hairy close. Would you like me to help you with that? Yeah, okay. really simple, so, really simple one, isn't it? Uh, it's just it's right. it's, but, it's, this is what we do. This is our process. Do you want you know, well? This is where you are. This yeah. is where you want to get to. This is how, you know, let's connect the dots. And ultimately, it, it's funny. Like, we act like we're giving them a choice. They have the choice, right? Here's the plan. Here's how you get there. You can use my help or you can go do it yourself. I mean, they're going to make that choice anyway. So just asking, hey, th- so this is how I would lay it out. You know, what do you think? Why would that work? Why would that not work? And kind of get those objections out of the way. And then would you like me to help you? And they might go, no, not right now. Okay. Right. It's, I'm not, I'm not going to chase you down. I mean, it's a partnership. If you don't want my help, I'm not going to try to force you to take my help. Right. Yeah. But again, just, it was, I don't know, Tim, why it took me that so long to figure out that it's the same thing I was doing in the clinic. Right. Here's where you are. Here's where you want to get to. Here's how we're going to get there. Would you like my help? Yeah. 
But even that, even that simple process, I think, is such a critical one that people sort of lose sight of. Kind of get. Oh, I, I did. Like, oh I tried to make it too complicated. It's too complicated, right? But you're right. You just make just bring things back to the simple, some some simple foundations, right? Uh-huh. And then doing that over and over and over again, and then measuring the results gets us to where we want to go. Right. That's um absolutely valuable, Sturdy, and I really appreciate you sharing some of those stories. Um, we're gonna pivot again. Uh, I like to take out every podcast with a little bit of quick fire to uh, to learn more about you. Uh, so let's go with uh, this one. Dun, 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 dun. Let's go with. I right, know you work from home. Tell me uh, what are the what are the pros and cons of having a home office? Oh, I'm, I don't actually have a home office. Well, sometimes I work from home a lot at the dining room table. And I've got three teenagers and a dog. <laughs> so you try to really know. <laughs> so when when I don't have to be on something like this or recording or with clients, um, I will do a bunch of work for home. It's it's just easy. It's convenient, right? It's hanging out with the kids too, the flexibility. But uh, you know, I have a a small office about what I'm nine or ten blocks away from where I live that I'm in right now. That it's quiet and just the dog and me. Nice. What's uh what's one insult you've received that you're really proud of? An insult that I'm proud. I don't know if it's an insult exactly, but I think it was intended as such, right? Uh, that somebody was was it an interview? I think where it was like you're really aggressive, and I'm kind of what I came to learn is like my affect, my face, I look, you know, I'm when I'm thinking like then in my eyebrows and uh, you know, and I look like. For whatever it's worth, I looked like I was at January 6th, right? And the uh, kids tease me all the time about it, but it's like, um, yeah, no, but being aggressive. And I'm like, you know what? That's not a bad thing, right? It, dep- it depends. Depends on the context and all. But I'm like, you know, that sometimes that can serve you. Okay, I'm all right with that. Take it. You've only got one head. You might as well use it, right? <laughs> um, I know you've got three kids. What's uh, what's one thing that you would love that your kids would learn from your business experience? That they can do whatever they want. I think that, um, and that was really a big part of the the impetus behind writing this book was um, I was stuck for a few years. I was trying to write the book and not really making headway, and you know had been given advice about writing the stories and then the you know then offer the advice and the technical stuff and basically the same business same format as every other business book out there and I'm like that's not what I want to do I want to create a how to manual for my kids and that's essentially what we did with this one and um again the principles are all the same the best small business in the world is the way it is because it you can plug in whatever service or product or whatever it is that you're offering because all this other infrastructure stuff, customer journey, vision, KPIs, accountabilities, marketing, target customer, it's all the same. And they're all old enough at this point where I think they get that, that I just want them to go do what they want to do, be happy with their choices and build something. And I think they all kind of are, you know, they're, they're getting it. They see that there are different possibilities. A lot of stuff that I, you know, when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I didn't, I didn't know the things that I thought I wanted to do or be were basically things I had contact with, things I had seen. And, and, you know, I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was when I graduated high school, much less how to spell it. Right. I didn't know how to spell it until I was one, but anyway. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Now I love that. And, you know, so much of what we do is 
about creating a legacy for the future generations as well. And I'm the same with my son as well. You know, I'd love to sort of see him succeed in whatever he wants to do, but showing that you know that absolutely right, anything is possible if he puts his mind to it. Yeah, um, mate. Uh, lastly, where can where can listeners find you online? Strittycoaching.com. Stritty McKee. I mean, you can look me up. I'm not hard to find. LinkedIn, TikTok, you name it. It's all out there. But yeah, not not too difficult to track down. Just make sure you're not grabbing, getting my son or the same name. But. There we go. Fantastic, man. Thanks very much. Really appreciate you joining us on today's podcast. And guys, thanks for listening to another episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Um, Sturdy shared some fantastic value bombs today. And I know I'm going to be pulling some of those out to implement in my own business as well. Sturdy, thanks again for joining us. Really appreciate you. Thanks, Tim. Thanks. I hope it was helpful. Okay, guys. Uh, We'll see you next episode on More Clients, Less Effort. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Join us next time for another insightful discussion filled with actionable advice and inspiring stories, all geared towards helping you grow and scale your business simply and easily. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.